I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. In just a moment, we're going to talk about the official language of the state of Utah, but I want to give you a a quick update on a topic we touched on during the top two at two o'clock. Again, a topic that we'll return to as we wrap up the program, but it is the vote, the House vote on the $1.9 trillion COVID uh, relief bill or stimulus package, however you want to phrase that. Uh, Getting word from uh, a colleague, Chad Pergram with Fox News, who is uh, right now at the U.S. Capitol, hearing that the House still intends to vote on this $1.9 trillion COVID-19 uh, bill tonight, um, but not exactly sure when. And uh, the the bill right now remains in the House Rules Committee where uh, it's being prepared for the floor. Now, a, a rule must be passed by the committee to establish the framework uh, for the legislation. And wh- why am I telling all this? These are all very boring words. Well, the, the truth is procedure and some of those boring words end up having a massive, massive impact on the state of this bill and specifically its future in the United States Senate. $15 minimum wage, pretty much off the table. Pretty much off the table. There are, uh, due to some Senate procedures, uh, certain rules governing what can and can't be included in uh, in a package right now for the Senate to pass it by a simple majority. And it was deemed yesterday out of bounds for it to include this $15 minimum wage. One thing, though, that, that you'll be curious to, to learn and might give you a reason to follow this a little more closely, uh, that $1,400 direct payment, that is part of this $1.9 trillion package right now. And so how, however... You know the the house decides to go right now. The I think the smart money is on uh, them passing it uh, in its current form. Uh, it then will go to the Senate, which will and again this is guessing because all of this can change. But my guess is that uh, it'll make its way over to the Senate, and you know, they'll either try to get clever about uh, you know guaranteeing a fifteen dollar minimum wage in some other method that is acceptable to the parliamentarian, or they'll remove it. Uh, and look to put forward a uh, you know a standalone effort to bring that about. Who, who knows? There's a lot of uh, uncertainty in the air right now. But one of the questions uh, which appears to be in the midst of being answered right now, <laughs> take that to the bank, right, uh, is that the House uh, does tonight intend to move forward with a vote on this uh, on this package, the 1.9 trillion deal, the latest uh, in a series of stimulus relief bills. All right. Uh, okay, let's start here. We got six minutes left. Yeah, we can do it. Uh, go back 
to come come with me. Go back to 2000, uh, the year 2000. There was uh, an initiative, Initiative A, here in the state of Utah, which declared English as the official language of the Utah government. And and it ends up restricting the way that state and local leaders can communicate uh, with the public. That's the characterization of the, the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, and what is certain, though, is that that initiative did, in fact, uh, declare English as the official language. And along with it, uh, installed a number of uh, parameters, uh, a number of guiding uh, principles and instructions on how uh, the English language should be handled and how others uh, may be, you know, kind of pushed aside. And much of it, it was, it was, well, first off, it has to do with documents, official documents and transactions, meetings, uh, publications. All of that was to be done, if with taxpayer money, uh, in the state, done in the English language. And, well, it goes on from there, and there's some non-specific language. I won't bore you with it. Uh, the effort right now underway by uh, by a member of the Utah legislature, uh, Kurt Cullimore, uh, a Republican from Sandy, is uh, that he would like to, while leaving the official language of the state of Utah language in place, he would like to remove all of what uh, brings that about. And so, yes, we can say that Utah has an official language, that it is English, but uh, government officials will, if, if Mr. Cullimore is successful, be free to uh, publish and communicate uh, information uh, in any language they see fit. Now, when I first uh, encountered this piece of legislation from uh, Senator Cullen Moore, I was of the mind that a a single unified uh, language uh, would eliminate confusion and that while it is the predominant language, that for all of us to uh, to learn it and adhere to it and use it in our communication, that it would simplify and streamline. Uh, well, as I have followed this, and as uh, we've sent some questions back and forth to Senator Cullimore, and as I have heard his words shared in the in the committee setting, specifically the Senate Business and Labor Committee, I'll be honest, my mind has uh, has changed a bit. Let me uh, let me share with you some of the, the Q&A that's gone back and forth. Uh, we, we sent a question, a, a pair of questions, over to the senator. The first one was, uh, how did this come about? What was the impetus for this? What was the catalyst for you running this piece of legislation? The response back was, Governor Cox, GOED, the Utah Multicultural Coalition, and the Salt Lake Chamber, and a coalition of other businesses and community organizations requested this bill at this time. That, that's a that's a heavy-hitting lineup of, of organizations and individuals. A group like that knocks on your door. They make, uh, you know, <laughs> even something resembling a compelling case. Uh, you give them the time of day, and maybe you, uh, you pick that up and run with it. Uh, the next question we asked was, uh, why are the changes made by this bill? Why, why are they needed at this time? And this is where, this is where my eyes opened. This is where this change in government procedure, in allowing for communication to stem from the state government in languages other than English, made uh, the most sense to me. It reads, uh, and again, these are the words of uh, Senator Cullimore, Kirk Cullimore of Sandy, who is uh, looking to uh, adjust the official language, uh, at least what it means for there to be an official language here in the state. He writes, during the last year, COVID-19 and the associated health and economic challenges highlighted many weaknesses in our system. 
One of the most quickly and glaringly apparent was the significant divide between our ability to communicate with our multicultural communities and minority-owned businesses. The disparities in the impacts of the virus and access to economic assistance was stark and, stark and alarming. During this time, the state became aware of the limitations this statute placed on state and local agencies. The governor suspended this law under the declared emergency to allow them to meet the compelling government interest of serving and communicating with all of the state's citizens. This bill does not require anything of government agencies, but does remove unnecessary and needlessly restrictive and punitive laws. That that makes sense to me. That That makes sense to me, and it reminds me, of a conversation I had uh, with a representative from one of the school districts in the area. The conversation we had was about the challenges presented uh, in moving throughout the community and speaking with uh, you know some of these minority communities, some of the communities that uh, where English isn't the first language. These multicultural areas within our state that the school district, in their effort to communicate with the parents, uh, in turn looking out for the best interests of the interests of the students, uh, found a great challenge there. And some of those challenges stemmed uh, from you know the, the the systems that have been put in place uh, due to this uh, now twenty year old law, and so it was repealed by the governor. Uh, under the emergency powers, and now uh, it is uh, Representative, or rather Senator Cutlemore, is in the midst of an effort to uh, repeal it from the law books. Make it official, make it formal. Well, what do you think? If you have any thoughts on this, 57500, that's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. The, the proof may be in the pudding. As we, over the past few days, have talked about the economic positioning of Utah in the midst of this pandemic, you can't help but wonder if all those uh, added businesses or at least a, a healthy percentage of the added businesses we discussed yesterday with Matt Gephardt in, in large part stem from uh, those who don't speak English as their first language. And would they have been able to engage the system, secure a license, and uh, get back into the business of working for themselves and employing other Utahns if there had been a language barrier? I just don't know. What do you think? 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Quick break. When we return, we're setting our sights on Orlando, Florida, where right now conservatives are gathering together for their annual CPAC conference. Speakers include Mike Lee, Burgess Owens, Jason Chaffetz. Thus far, we've heard from Mike Lee. I'll share with you some excerpts from his address next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 